Name brand music productions in this motherfucker. There you go, there you go. There you go. Huh. We all about to find a thing. All about them designer things. I don't need no money, I got mouthpiece, my nigga. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. Praises to the most high. God is good all the time. And of course, all the time, God is good. Turn right and be easy. Back at you one more again. It's been about two weeks since we did our last show. We apologize for that unintentional hiatus. But we back at it again. And we always going to give it to you. Sugar free, baby. Sugar free. Today, we're going to be talking about the... First uh, off, let's shout out DMX. Oh yeah, shout out. Um, and we want to send our prayers up to DMX. You know, we're praying that you pull through this, brother, and that you have a you know a full recovery. Um, man, 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 my heart just breaks for for you know to hear that DMX is is down right now. But he's a soldier, he's a fighter, so I'm gonna believe that he's gonna pull through on this one. Yeah, there's always you know there's always hope, um, but you have to admit it's definitely not looking good for for X. But definitely shout out to DMX. And of course, on a, on a more positive note, I want to shout out Hubert Davis for getting the uh, the North Carolina job. Uh, Roy Williams decided to to call it call it quits, retire. And Hubert Davis, uh, ex North Carolina player and also ex NBA player or former, I should say, NBA player, is getting an opportunity at um, University of North Carolina. So I wish him the best. And I want to applaud. Uh, Mr. Williams for stepping down and giving somebody else an opportunity. You know, I think that there's a lot of coaches, you know, at the big time schools that don't want to give up that spot. Um, I think Duke needs some new blood. You talked about that in the last show. I think they've needed it for about four or five years now. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that it's time for him just to go enjoy his life and let somebody else have an opportunity. Well, the best time to leave is always uh, while they still want you to stay. Exactly. You don't no. want to overstay. Don't your... miss your time to go. No. Yeah, don't over. And I feel like he kind of has. And so it's like at this point, it's like, I think it kind of looks bad when you leave too late. It does. Because it... you're not really ending on a high note, so to speak. It does. There's got to be people around you that you trust, you know, to advise you on that. Because I think you're too close to it. To, to be able to make that decision objectively. And I think that's why it gets difficult for some people. I mean, but I mean, that's a discussion in itself. So I, we don't want to belabor that. And he's been such a fantastic coach over the course of his career. He being who? Uh, Krzyzewski. Yeah. You don't want to tarnish your reputation. You don't want to, and, and, and as somebody who has to speak on it, you don't want to have to say like negative things about such a great coach. No. You know? No. I'm speaking about now, not you know anything his he's career, done, no, his body of work like, or anything I, like that. I can't you know even speak against that. He's done a fantastic job, but it's time for somebody else to you know get an opportunity. I feel like, and, and it's not just picking on him. I'm just saying, using yeah, just using example. him as an example. I, I agree. I think that Coach K may have stayed overstayed his welcome to a certain extent. You don't want people saying that as you're going out the door. I think people are starting to kind of feel that way about Popovich a little bit, you know, in the NBA as well. I just think, you know, after after a certain point, like I, like I said, I think it's easier for folks on the outside to see those things rather than it is for the folks on the inside. Because if there, there are a lot of elements of it that you still enjoy and you still feel competent because you've done it for so long, it's like, how can you ever feel incompetent? You've been one of the best to ever do it, so why would you even think that you couldn't do it anymore? And I don't think it's a matter of not being able to do it. I think it's just a matter of not being at the same level that you were before. And you're dealing with different era changes, too. So, like, the age gap is getting further and further and further. You know, you're getting older and older now. you got all these young players. They're looking at you like, you know, Pop is, is not detached. 
you know, in, in, in any type of way. I'm not trying to say that he doesn't understand what's going on, doesn't understand young players and, you know, all of that, because clearly he does, you know, have a pretty good grasp on what's going on. But what I'm saying is, it's like, man, what else does he have to coach for at this point? You know, well, it's like he's done it at the highest levels with some of the all-time great greatest, you know, players. To ever play. So mm-hmm. it's like, what else can you do at this point in your career that's as compelling as that? No, you know? there isn't. Also, this is the other the other part of the dynamic that I think you were starting to speak to. I thought you were heading in that direction, but it's this. It's not that you're not aware of the changes. It's just like, do you feel like you want to do it? Do you feel like making that adjustment? It's like, look, you know, I've made several adjustments over the course of time. I think I'm just ready just to do me. And not have to worry about adjusting, you know, to some new dynamic. And to me, Popovich seems like the type, personality-wise, that would choose that. So it's, it's to me, it's kind of, you know, for me, it's kind of counterintuitive that he's continued to do it. Yeah, I thought he would quit like right two years after ago. the yeah, right after Tim and all of them were gone. No, after after the whole Kawhi, Kawhi thing. Yeah, yeah I okay. thought he would he would, that would be it for him. You know and what? then his wife died. Passed. Yeah. yeah. So when when, she, when his wife passed, I thought that was I really thought that was gonna be the nail yeah. in the coffin. Yeah. It's okay. He's not gonna coach no more. But then I thought to myself, well, if his wife is gone, he may continue to coach because he may feel like, well, that's all I got. Basketball is all I got left. Um, but I don't know. I don't know anything about his personal no. life. This is all conjecture. But no. It's just interesting. Like when you when you see something that you don't expect, you tend to speculate. Well, why or why not? Yeah, that, that's I think, all we're doing. Yeah, here. that definitely generates speculation. It's like, okay, why is this? If something makes sense to you, you don't speculate. No, you don't. You say, I understand. End of discussion. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's get on with it. Let's talk about the um, like I started to say um, before you mentioned the shout outs. Going to talk about the NBA. Yeah, let's do you that. You know the stuff. You know what's happened in the aftermath of the trade deadline. Um, and where the teams stand right now, standings wise, because I think things have shaken down to what they're going to be as we head into this last quarter of the season. We basically got about, on average, about 20 games left mm-hmm. in a 72 game schedule. So we're about at that last quarter. We're at the quarter quarter mile or the quarter point of the season, that last quarter of the season. So things are definitely shaking down to what they're going to be as we head into the playoffs. But first. Um, just for a brief period of time, but let's talk about the um, the NCAA tournament. And the reason why I'm anxious to talk about it because I, I don't know if you have, but I went back and listened to the last show. Um, I said on the because it was the week one of the tournament, the weekend, the first weekend of the tournament. I said that I thought that the final two was going to be Gonzaga and Baylor. You did say that, um, which ain't saying a whole lot because they were the two best teams. They've been the two best teams probably for the last two years. Yeah, we said Baylor because remember I said ain't but a few good teams. Exactly, Baylor was Baylor, Gonzaga, and a couple other Pac twelve teams. Basically. Yeah, and that was the other thing I said. The Big Ten sucks. The Pac Pac twelve is underrated. Big East raggedy. ACC ain't what it used to be. I mean, I don't. I mean, those you know they're solid. Big East is was solid. The SEC, all the power conferences are pretty much Big Twelve, pretty much what you would expect them to be. Actually, the SEC kind of, with Alabama and Arkansas doing as well as they did, really perform well. I, I kind of with like, the absence of Kentucky, I felt like they were like sort of outliers, and I don't feel like the competition you know was as good, you know, conference wise, in those other conferences. It's the Pac-12. That's why, I, and that's what I thought that you felt like they were going to do the best because they were playing better competition all they the time. They were tested during the season. And those other teams that were, like, good in their conference, you know, weren't getting tested on the same level. No. So I'm thinking, when well, the tournament, when they get up against some of these Pac-12 teams, maybe they're not going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, they may not respond. I said, but these Pac-12 teams, they're used to playing good competition all the time. Yeah, and I so thought, that's going to serve them. I thought the conference was well-balanced from top to bottom. So even a team on the lower end. Look at how it helped UCLA. Big they time. were only ranked 11th. But yeah. look at how well they, well, they did were in the tournament. Yeah, 11 they were 11th They were seeded 11th, yeah. let me put it like that. Yeah. But look how well they did in the tournament because of the competition that they regularly play against. And they had to play in a play-in. Yeah, they had to do a they had a, a, a tough game in the play in. Who was it? I tell you what, Michigan though, State. I really was really Michigan enjoy State. watching UCLA play. Mm-hmm. They're fundamentally sound. Well, they, they, their coach is awesome. They move. I would love to see him coaching the NBA level. Yeah, their coach is awesome because Nick he got Cronin, he got them boys awesome. looking right. Okay, yeah. everything that they do is just like so smooth and like well orchestrated. 
the way that they come off the pin downs, square up, shoot the ball, the way they run pick and roll, the way that they can penetrate and kick out on the zone. They, they just read everything so well. They know how to keep the tempo at the game that benefits them. I just be like, wow! Look at the way that they play, and then that boy—they uh, were more athletic. Yuang, how do you say his last name? Johnny. I don't even know how to pronounce. Johnny Juzang, I think is how you say uh-huh. his name. That dude, I, oh, I, they list him as a guard. Man, that dude—I'm telling you, he gonna be nice on the next level. What about Jaquez? I like I like Jaquez too, but but the Juzang dude. Nice. He's going to be a nice NBA player. That's first rounder, in my opinion. I take him first round. I think both those guys are first rounders. Jaquez, too. I think they're both first rounders, especially with the way the NBA is now. I thought that UCLA was going to beat them in that game. Because I, I went back and I watched the game. I'm watching the game and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, okay, UCLA going to beat them. Because they, they, they really kind of kept the pace down. They tried to keep them out of transition with, with efficient offense. They took care of the ball. They didn't turn the ball over a lot. They but, just played poor post defense on, is it Timmy? Timmy, yeah. They played poor, 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 poor post defense on him, and that's what killed them. Mm-hmm. He can't score coming to the inside. He can only score faking to the inside and going baseline. So don't give him the baseline. Mm-hmm. Force him up to the elbow. Mm-hmm. And they just never made the adjustment defensively. Well, there are two. Baylor things. did a great job yeah. of doing that. Baylor played, you know, nearly a flawless game. The he the two best teams, make a long story short, the two best teams played last night. But Baylor was by far the superior team last night. They were, you know, like the announcers were saying, they were always they were more aggressive. They were a step faster oh. than them. When the game started. Baylor was so locked in. Oh my God. That it was just like. It was crazy. It was like. It was crazy. It was like, I've never seen a team look that locked in. Like every guy was so mentally ready to go play the game. Everything was crisp, smooth, efficient, on time. And and Gonzaga was just like, what the. Shell shocked. They They were shell shocked. They was like. Because think about it, they haven't met a team that that could out execute them. Baylor is just as skilled, but way more athletic. Exactly. Exactly. And so when the when the when the skills with more athleticism met them, they couldn't do nothing about it. This is this is what needed to happen for Gonzaga to win that game. Baylor had to po- shoot poorly, which yeah, they didn't, which they didn't, and they would have to turn the ball over, which is essentially the same thing. Those, those guys had supreme confidence. Everything was so decisive. Yeah, there was no lost movement. Nope. There was no like unsureness. Nope. Everything was just like it was like. It's like it was rehearsed. Yeah, they knew we gonna come down and do, it was like watching a football game where somebody comes out in a no huddle and runs like twelve plays no huddle because they already have the it. Go straight down the field. That's yep. what it was like watching that game. Absolutely, it was one of the best, one of the best executed college basketball games or any game that I've ever seen. The first like eight minutes of that game was beautiful. You're, you're just basketball. watching it going. I just can't even believe this. No, it didn't even seem real. It didn't seem real. I'm watching it going, they could be NBA teams playing like this. Yeah. It was beautiful basketball. Beautiful basketball on both ends. I was just like, man, they they were swallowing them up defensively. They cut off all that pick and roll crap. Because you know what they like to do? They like to do two things. They like to run the the pin downs like Mm -hmm. Golden State likes to do. Mm -hmm. Or they'll have... The post guy come, oh no, excuse me, the other guard come across the court and set like a, uh, what do they call a it? Back like a back screen. Mm-hmm. And so what they started doing was bringing their postman up and just standing in that spot so that they couldn't screen that direction and forcing them back towards where the help was. And they kept turning the ball over because they couldn't get into their set. No. And no. and once they got the ball and they were running back and transition the other way, which is what Gonzaga normally does to other people, yep. they just got mentally. De- but I tell you what, I got to give Gonzaga credit because they didn't mentally just break down. No, they did. Most teams would have folded. They got their life together 
and they fought back yeah. into the game. And yeah. I, you have to give them credit for that. Yeah. Because I thought they were just going to roll over and die. I didn't think so. I never got that. I never got that feeling because I watched their demeanor, especially Jalen Suggs. Well, I thought that Su- I knew Suggs would play. I questioned whether anybody would, you know, really meet him halfway mm-hmm. and be there with him. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like when you when when guys know that guys are bigger, stronger, faster, they just feel like they can't compete, and mentally they just they check out. They they break down. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, Suggs is ready. He's gonna be there. Who's gonna come with him? Mm-hmm. But you know what? I don't know what happened at halftime. But in the second half, they were ready to play. I don't. Th- they just didn't expect Baylor to come out and do what they did. Well, they just a, did not expect that. A lot of times, teams will do that, but they can't sustain it. The other thing that I noticed that Baylor did was they they were the aggressor. Absolutely. And Gonzaga has always been the aggressor. No, they weren't waiting to lose. They didn't wait and oh, I'm a, we're gonna wait and let mm-hmm. the game come to us and try to <clears throat> no, 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 no. They came out and they put pressure on them immediately on both ends. With their efficient offense, it put pressure on Gonzaga to score, which you, we've never really seen them in a position where their offense had pressure to score. Because they knew when they get the ball, they're going to come back and they're going to score on the other end because it just kept happening and happening and happening. So now when that's happening to you offensively, in your mind, you're thinking, I have to make this shot. Because you can't play loose now. No. And so you could see that that affected them in the first half. Second half, they kind of got out of their head a little bit more and just played. It's like, listen, y'all, we're getting our ass kicked. We ain't got nothing to lose at this point. Nope. Just go out there and play loose yeah. and try to claw our way back in the game and at least make it respectable, and they did that. Well, Clark Kellogg said at halftime, he said, you know, and it's obvious, like, well, how are they going to turn around? They just got to get stops. They, You know, we got to get stopped. I told Elena, I said, First five minutes of the second half is going to determine how this game goes. I said, if they have that margin, that because they are up 10 at half, I said, if they maintain the margin or increase it, even just three points, they're not going to lose this game. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, you could say that pretty much in any game, but especially in that game. Because if Gonzaga was going to ch- turn the tide in that game, it was going to have to happen in the first five minutes of the second half. Yeah, agreed. Otherwise, you were just going to run out of time. Then they're just trading baskets, and that's you're not going to get it done that way. Anyway, it was an awesome. And game. I will say this: I honestly believe that had the Lady Bears not got robbed, their men, Baylor's men and women, would have won the tournaments no. in basketball this year. Absolutely, absolutely, they were the two best teams. They were. They were the two best teams. Now, of course, we're just discounting Stanford. Completely. I think Baylor just would have beat them. Oh yeah. I just, I just don't feel like they. I think that they presented two really bad matchup issues. Um, number one, they're all American. Alyssa Smith and Carrington, uh-huh. DJ Carrington, who was on that team. Yeah. And knows the offense, knows how to attack them. So I just think that they would have, you know, had the upper hand. And they're, 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 Stanford is extremely skilled, but Baylor is just as skilled and they're more athletic. So it would have been a very similar dynamic to the Gonzaga-Baylor game on the men's side. Exactly. And I just think ultimately they would have prevailed and both teams would have won. Two other things. Two other things I think really bear mentioning for the reason that they really haven't been mentioned. Um, Scott Drew deserves tremendous credit for, for building, rebuilding that program from the ashes. I mean, that can't be overstated. The other thing that really was pissing me off during the game, but they overcame it, was the refereeing was totally on the side of Gonzaga. It was. Totally. I mean, Baylor couldn't get any cough, and they never let it bother them. Yeah, it reminded me of uh, the the female uh, Baylor game against UConn. Mm-hmm. You know, it was obvious what the agenda was yeah. by the way is by the way it was officiated. Exactly. And the, the difference was that the, the Lady Bears let it get to them. And they didn't go out with the mentality that they weren't going to get calls. This is where I think that connection you drew just a little bit ago really applies. Because I'm absolutely certain that the men's coach told them, don't let the referees take you out of yes, this game. Because they're not going to give you no calls. You're not going to get the calls. So don't even expect it. Just roll with it. We're deep enough and we're good enough. We'll be able to overcome it. Don't even worry about that. Let me handle it. Oh, you're talking about the point I made about the, the ladies' coach? No, 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 no. About the fact that 
what happened to the ladies. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, the outcome for the ladies because they got jobbed. Don't let, you know, expect the same thing in this game because Gonzaga is the story. Gonzaga was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, not Baylor. You know, Mark Fuse on the cover of Sports Illustrated with his guys. And and where's Scott Drew? He ain't nowhere. Ain't nobody really talking about Baylor because Baylor's not really the story that they wanted to promote. Exactly. You know, but so I was, you know, this is the thing that, that made me kind of laugh when I said this too. I told Elaine, I said, this is one of the few times which I'm rooting against the team I picked. Because, <laughs> you know, I picked Gonzaga to win. Well, you have to pick who you think you go, is going to win for all the reasons that you just stated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but in in your mind, you like you could root for whoever you want to root for, like in, in real life, you know. Yeah, I said, but I don't want to see these these guys. No, no offense to Gonzaga, because I really don't. I don't have nothing against them, because they're innocents in this. I watched a show Saturday night, and Jay Silas, who I absolutely love, was talking about how he just couldn't see how anyone was going to stop Gonzaga from scoring so easily. I said, Baylor going to stop him from scoring. I said, because UCLA should have been able to stop him from scoring. They just played horrible defense on Timmy. Mm-hmm. He got all this confidence going and had himself a game. Yeah. When he should have been shut down. Uh-huh. But their defensive philosophy in terms of how their approach defending him was flawed. And okay. so it allowed him to be able to, to be, be successful. successful. Mm-hmm. And Baylor said, not today. And they had the personnel to execute, too. But offensively, they were just um, killing oh my, it. Oh, my God. Um, if, you hadn't, if you didn't see the game, go back and watch the first eight minutes of the game. Ooh-wee. And look at what Baylor does. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Tell me that they can't beat some NBA teams. And also, I love the adjustments. that They took them. They played them out of the zone. When Gonzaga tried to go to a zone, they crushed them. They They're, like, please. They was hitting three after three after three no, and just getting to the basket but and they, finishing. They were fl- they were flashing the guy right to the to the free throw line and breaking that down every freaking time. And they made it look easy. easy. I mean, come on. They like, man, come on, don't don't mess with us. It was like chess versus checkers. It's like, come on, this you this ain't gonna work. Y'all going to have to try to man up and make the best of it. You know, like. But they did it. They played 1-3-1. They played 2-3. They tried everything. What you said about Baylor's coaching is so true. You know, the guy just got outcoached big time. And then his players executed it to perfection. Flawlessly. To perfection. That just shows you the strength of his coaching. And the players knew. We go out here and we execute this game plan coach gave us. We're going to be successful because they had been doing it all year. They didn't play the same way against everybody they played. They made adjustments. Yeah. And that was one of the things that made me feel like they were one of the best teams. They were extremely versatile They can beat you so many different ways. They can beat you any way. So I was just thinking, who's going to beat them? When they can when they can adapt their style of play and they have the personnel, they got athletes, skilled players, they're fundamentally sound, they're well coached, they play hard every night. They're mentally strong, great eye basketball IQ. What you gonna do with a team like that? And, and tremendously versatile. They could switch everything. What did I tell you about Gonzaga? I said Gonzaga is successful because uh, people don't approach defending them properly, and they're in transition most of the game, and they get a lot of layups. Well, they were averaging said, ninety points. I said if you get good, if you have good rim protection and you can which pressure them full court, you could. could shut them down. What do you okay? Jalen Suggs is he le- as legitimate as I said he is? Suggs is legit. Mm-hmm. Suggs is legit. There's no one else on the team that's on his level. No, there's just not. Timmy played well, but he's just not that type of player. He's no, not. He's not that, that level. He's not player. on that level. No. no. All right, let's go on to the NBA. All right, let's do it. You want to talk about um, the buyout situations, correct? Well, not necessarily the buyouts, just the whole trade deadline. I want real quick though, I want to talk about Houston of all of all the teams. But I really want to talk about them in the context of the of the Harden trade. And and basically what they ended up with in the aftermath of the Harden trade. If you go to the um yeah, you're on NBA.com. If you go to NBA.com and go to the events at the top, go to the events, it'll have a trade deadline and it'll show you. You can click on it. They they interviewed um, Houston's GM, and he was basically saying that he he felt 
fine. If he if he had it to do over again, he would make he would do the same thing with the trade for for Harden. And the bottom line is, all they got out of the Harden deal was James gone and a bunch of draft picks because none of the players that that came their way do they have anymore. That was the objective. They had mortgaged away their future trying to put him in a position to win, and they wanted to try to get those assets back so that they could rebuild. It's, it makes sense. And then the GM says, well, he says, you're not going to be able to evaluate what we did in this in these deals for another 10 years. That's like, well, you certainly won't be there 10 years from now. So, yeah, I would want them to, yeah, give me 10 years on this deal because that's how long it's going to take to rebuild because you got basically nothing right now. You got, <laughs> What do they have right now? They got a bunch of stuff. I mean, even when they had Victor Oladipo, who they ended up letting go, well, you know, we, you know, the Victor, the whole Victor deal didn't work out. It's like I, my philosophy is this: if you, it's the same as if you hire a coach and fire him the next year. You shouldn't have never hired him in the first place. You know, so if you you get Victor Oladipo and a month later you get rid of him, that means you should have never got him in the first place. What did you accomplish by getting them? They're trying to get picks so that they can rebuild their team. And then they're talking about, we really liked Kelly. He's talking about, we really like Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley from a distance. Okay, those guys are just pieces. Yeah, well, you know. And, and probably neither one of them three years from now is going to be there. In fact, there's hardly anybody. I, I feel bad for John Wall and Christian Wood. You know, because... What I mean, what do they got to play for? Well, I mean, I, I look at it like this. You know, you, you got to have good veteran talent like like John Wall mm-hmm. on, on a young team. And when you can get it at the point guard, and, and D, like DJ Augustine and John Wall, and when you can get it at the point guard position, I think it helps you even more. They got a good assortment of young talent. I really like Kenyon Martin Jr. I really like Kevin Porter Jr. I really like Jay Sean Tate. I even like Nawaba. I like... Sterling Brown, who they got from the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I really like Dante Exum. He's a great athlete. It hasn't done anything so far in his career because he's been hurt a lot. Um, and I like DJ Wilson as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kelly Olynyk is skilled um, as a skilled player, just a piece. Um, but he's, he's, you know they don't have any like stars if that's what you mean. He's a seventh or eighth man <coughs> in a rotation on on a decent team. He's a eighth man. And you still got Eric Gordon, who is solid but hurt a lot. Yeah, who needs to go somewhere else where he can have a uh, have a chance to do something to win before he dies? You know, but I mean, he's got to you know stay healthy to be able to contribute to where he's at, which he which has been a huge problem for him. You know, so he's a piece that people are expecting to really contribute, and he's hurt a lot and not really contributing because he's hurt. So the best ability is availability. He don't be available a yeah, lot. Yeah, availability is greatly underrated. Greatly underrated. You can't do nothing if you ain't there. But anyways, but I mean, Houston is not even relevant in terms of talking about what's going to happen this year. They're not going to be relevant for years to come. But, but, you know, if they stick with their coach, they got a good coach, a great young coach, I think. He won't be there. Um, But if he gets rid of him, if they get rid of him, they'll do him a favor. Mm -hmm. um, And then he'll get another opportunity elsewhere because he's not the problem. But you're... Uh, clearly these guys are analytics. You know, I listened to the guy's interview and he just mumble jumbled his way through it with a bunch of nothing speak about, you know, about what, what he's doing with the team and you can evaluate us 10 years from now. It's like, buddy, nobody's going to be interested. And the thing about it is like, I wish you could trade coaches in the, in the, in the NBA. Like I would love to see him um, be traded with, with Luke Walton. See mm. what, see what he do with that Sacramento team. Yeah, I would. That would be lovely, for him. I would love to. see I mean, that. Luke Walton. He's. Well, why would you trade for Luke Walton anyway? I'm just saying. Yeah. I would just love to see him with those players. Oh yeah. If I could see Silas with those guys, then we could talk. Well, let's let's look at the standings. Let's look at them. I don't want to look at the East standings because my team is falling. <laughs> Who's your team? Well, you you say that my team is Charlotte. Yeah. Um, they're you, still over 500. Even though they're not my team, but you say my team is Charlotte. Yeah, because you said um, they were going to be able to maintain, and last time we talked, they were fourth. What, but what's my other team you've been saying? Is, what's the other team that you've been saying is my team that keep rising? 
I don't know who that would be. Atlanta. Oh, yeah. That is your other team. Ever since uh, Nate Nate started coaching, what been happening? Winting. Yeah. Winting. And they haven't, well, what acquisitions did they make? They didn't really make they it. Ain't get they nobody. got Lou. That was it. For Rondo. And that's nothing, basically. Because Lou's about, is one foot out the door. And Lou just got there. He ain't even played. So he ain't got uh-uh. nothing to do with what we talking about. No, he doesn't. Nate got everything to do with <laughs> I said, now that Nate's coaching, the losing is finna stop. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and now is. that Nate is ain't, ain't in Indiana, what's going on with them? They're struggling. Yeah, right when now. Nate was coaching, they was fourth, fifth in the East every year. Yep. Every year. And couldn't win it. And could win it. And now this year. They were a play away from winning it when LeBron went to the, and won. Now this year they got the same players and they're a play-in team. Well, no. they, well, they don't got the same players because no, they, they lost Oladipo yeah, they and, got, and got Karis LeVert. Yeah. But outside of that. And actually that's an upgrade. When you think about Oladipo's tenure in Indiana, he was hurt most of the time. So Nate didn't even really get to benefit from Oladipo fully. And they got robbed in the playoffs against LeBron blatantly. So I would argue that the new coach has more to work with. Well, this is the thing. Um, right now, they're still in playoff, play-in contention. They're in, ninth. In position. They're ninth. And the Knicks has just been losing games lately. Tight, tight losses. But it goes back to that sustainability question that we raised a few shows ago. Yeah. But anyway, this is how it looks in in the East. I mean, you basically got the three teams, and then everybody else is just struggling for what the leftovers. Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee. Everybody else is the leftovers. In the West, it's kind of the same thing, but not quite to the same extent. I hope the standings stay just like they are right now, because I would love to see. You want to see a 4-5 or matchup with Denver and the Lakers? No, I'm talking about the East, Atlanta, Atlanta and Miami. Hell yeah, I'd like to see the Denver and the Lakers. Jokic versus uh, AD and uh, Drummond and them. Hell yeah, I want to see that. I want to see the Lakers have to play somebody in the first round. I just think that's a bad matchup for Denver. I think it's a, I think it's a great matchup. It might be a little bit better for With Denver. their new team? You're saying that's yes. a bad matchup? A, I was about to say it's probably a little bit better now. It's a got hell of a lot better now. <laughs> Not a little bit. It's a hell of a lot better now. Cause now Millsap gonna be out there against guys like Markeith Morris and them. Like those, those like it's a much better matchup. They can match up better. That's why they made the move, Dad, so they can match up better with the Lakers. So is is Portland and Dallas gonna end up switching spots? I don't know, but I'm gonna tell you this about Portland. If James Harden don't come back soon and start balling like he was, Dame gonna win MVP. Oh yeah, I'm saying it right oh, here, yeah. right now. Dame Dollar gonna win MVP. I don't think James, if, if if Harden don't win. I don't think James is coming. But back. But you know who they want to give it to? The Joker. They want to give it to the Joker so bad. Why do you say that? I just I just because the man is averaging damn near a what a twenty five point triple double. Well, so is Luca. Yeah, but Luca's Luca's team ain't ain't winning enough. Luca's though. team is winning now. They are winning now. They, they won they, seven out of the last ten games. They're on a roll. They're exactly. on a roll. But the bench has been balling. Yeah. You know, Brunson and Hardaway and Trey Burke. And they balling. Yeah. You know, uh, and getting Porzingis back to form. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the biggest difference. Because now Porzingis out there shooting from the logo and dunking on niggas. Well, the other thing, too, is they've really played way better on the defensive end, too. Yeah. Way better on yeah, the Yeah, Porzingis out there beating folks stuff up. Yeah. But you Way know what? Better. The bench is the better defensive unit. Well, what do you what do you consider the starters? Who do you consider the starters for them? The Mavericks we're talking about. Starting five would be Luca, Josh Richardson, Finney Smith, Porzingis, and Melly. Because that would be considered a small lineup with Porzingis at the five. Because Melly would be your four. Come, then coming off the bench, you would have Brunson, Trey Burke, Josh Richardson, J.J. Redick, and uh, Maxi Kleber. Or you could also play Bogdanovich at the five. And you also still have Dwight Powell as well. 
So with everybody healthy, they got a deep roster. They beat Utah last night. Who started last night? Melly, Finney Smith, Kleber. Oh, yeah, Finney Dinesage Smith. Dinesage and Richardson. Finney Smith is like their four. Yeah. I like Finney Smith. He's a good defender. He's actually their three. Versatile. And he and he can score. He's a he's a decent three and D. Oh, guy. Melly would be the four on that. Yeah, lineup. Melly would be the four Melly's in that line. On that lineup, Porzingis didn't even play. Porzingis did not even play, and they beat Utah. You know why? Because Donovan Mitchell is horribly inconsistent. Six for twenty three, missed all his threes. Horribly inconsistent. They were all horrible shots. He takes horrible shots anyway. You know why? Because he shouldn't be bringing the ball up no, the floor. No, they're not going to be successful with him handling the ball. Just, His usage needs to go down, not up. There's something going on between him and Mike Conley, I think. Because I think Donovan be hating on Mike Conley handling the ball. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. And, and, and running the team. Yeah. He wants to do it instead of Mike Conley. And he sucks at it. And he's messing up the team. And who and man, who, Quinn still there? He better nip that shit in the bud. Well, this is the thing. Anytime you have a game in which Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles are minus fourteen and minus seventeen respectively, that's not a winning formula. And they still barely lost. They still barely lost. If Ingles is on the floor, he should be getting you into your sets. If Clarkson is on the no, not Clarkson. If Conley. Conley is on. I knew it started with a C. If Conley was on, is on the floor, he needs to be getting you into your sets. Donovan, you need. You know, Donovan got the same problem that Paul George got. I'm gonna put this out here now. I'm gonna put them niggas in the same bunch because they got the same problem. Their problem is they don't want to play the role that helps their team win. They want to do other. They want to play another way. Even if it hurts the team. Okay, let me ask you this. Who when, would you when rather? When Doc Rivers had PG-13, he had him coming off of pin downs. He had him in pick and roll. And he had him in the corner, hitting the corner three. Mm-hmm. Perfect usage. And playing defense. Mm-hmm. That's what Paul George is great at. Okay? Those things. But what did Paul George say? He complained about... What Doc had him doing yeah. in terms of a role, mm-hmm. I can do more than that. I don't give a damn that you can do more than that. That's what makes your team better. So if you'd rather play the way you want to play rather than play winning basketball, you need to go to hell somewhere else. That's what I say. And this is what's ultimately going to happen. Kawhi is going to leave. I'm telling you right now. Kawhi is not going to play in that Clippers uniform another season after this year. He's leaving after this year. Mark my words. Yep, you heard it here first. Kawhi is not going to be a Clipper next year. Well, that Because PG-13 is on that bullshit. Well, I was thinking, I mean, the Clippers got a myriad of issues um, in terms of roles. All they need PG-13 to do is play that Klay Thompson role. Mm-hmm. That's what he needs to do. But he doesn't want to play that way. Is Kawhi's usage proper? No. 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 But but that's only be, been because they, they don't, don't have, have a point. point guard. Exactly. But when he played with Fred Van Fleet, he was fine. Yeah. So now that Rondo is there and DeMarcus Cousins, it should help a lot of those issues. It should free up Ibaka to play his natural position. It gives Zubak rest. Or he can back up Cousins. Because obviously Cousins should be playing in front of Zubak when he's healthy and in shape. Mm-hmm. But Zubak has made himself into a solid backup center. Then you also have uh, Morris Marcus Senior. Morris. You have Terrence Mann now giving you some size at that position off the bench for Rondo. So... Or you can start him and bring Rondo off the bench if you want and just have him in there at the end of the game. Maybe he doesn't start, but have him in there at the end of the game. Does Reggie Jackson deserve a bigger role? No. No, I think I think the team is better when he has to do less. If he gives you more, you want it to be a luxury, not a requirement. So you want Reggie as, like, your eighth man in your rotation? Yeah. Uh, yes. 
Yeah, seventh, seventh or eighth guy in the rotation. In the nine-man rotation, you... Yeah, in the nine-man rotation, I, I probably want Reggie as my eighth guy. Okay, in their last game against the Lakers, the Clippers started Zubac and Jackson, guys who ordinarily wouldn't start, with, with, with Kawhi, Marcus, and Paul George. So now you're going to substitute in... You're going to substitute in Ibaka or Boogie. You're going to start Ibaka or Boogie. Well, this is, this is, this, okay, to answer this, okay. I think the best way to answer your question is like this. When everyone on the team is healthy, mm-hmm. exactly. the, the ideal starting roster to me is Rondo, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, and Demarcus Cousins. Coming off your bench, you would have Patrick Beverly, Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, Marcus Morris Sr., and Zubak. And don't forget that you still got Terrence Mann as well. You're going to have basically three bigs and, and, and no guards? Because you had Kawhi, PG, Morris. I, I want Kawhi to be my two. So I'm going to have Kawhi at my two. PG at my, or or you could just do it the other way around. You could do PG at your two if you want. You, you could say Rondo, PG thirteen, Kawhi, Ibaka, and more. And, and no, Ibaka and Cousins. Let's get back to the standings. So we're saying you're saying that you like the standings as they are currently, with uh, with Denver being fourth and the Lakers being fifth, and San Antonio and Golden State being the nine and ten games in the play in. No, I would rather it be New Orleans and Sacramento and Memphis. Neither one of those teams, I think, are going to go anywhere, obviously. San Antonio and Golden State ain't going no freaking where. Um, I love Chicago being in the play-in in the the East. Yeah, because they they got a shot. They definitely have a shot in the play-in tournament. Because as it stands right now, and it's probably how it will continue, is um, you got Charlotte, Boston, New York, Indiana, and Chicago, which to me is a very intriguing play-in. Exactly. Very. In the West, I really don't care because I don't think any of those teams matter. They don't. With the possible exception, if it stays as it is, of Portland being one of those. But at least, at least if Sacramento and New, and New Orleans was in it, it'd be a little bit more interesting. They could very well be because Sacramento's only a game and a half out right now. And New Orleans is only a half a game out. Yeah, it could very well be those two teams instead of the Spurs and Golden State. So. Yeah, could e- and to me, that would be way better. It would be more compelling for yeah. sure and more competitive. Yeah, it would be way better. So if it ends up that way, that would be awesome. Yeah, agreed. So is Utah going to maintain the number one slot? Not at the rate, not the way that they're playing. No, they, they are got, not. They got problems. People, don't, people not wanting to play their role, Dad. You know, but they've won nine out of their last ten games. I don't give They're, a damn. I don't care about none of that. And because you know how I am, Dad, I just watched the games. Yeah. And I go, is this sustainable? Can yeah. they win like this against the best teams, particularly in the series? And you know, you agree with me. You're watching it. We're watching the game, saying they can't win like this. Well, this is the thing. If you look to, if you look on there on the power rankings from this week, they discuss that how poorly that Utah's played against the best teams lately. And it's not good. It really isn't good. Their record against the best teams is, is not that good. They talk about how, how... They only have eight games remaining against the other nine teams that are more than two games above 500. Mm-hmm. And three of those eight teams are in the next four days. Mm-hmm. And they already lost to one of them last night in Dallas. A two-game trip. Takes them through Dallas on Monday, which they lost, and Phoenix, who they're going to lose to on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So that backs up what you're saying. I only had you. Phoenix is going to finish with the number one record in the West, to answer your question. Okay, so Phoenix number one team in the West. Where's Utah going to be? Are they going to be two or three? I think that they're going to be three. And and the Clippers going to pass them then? You're saying the Clippers are going to surpass them? It depends. But I have a that's going That's my suspicion. Because they got DeMarcus Cousins, mm-hmm. I think that they're going to end up second. Because okay. Rondo and DeMarcus Cousins are going to help that team a lot. And when they get Rondo and uh, Patrick Beverly back, they'll be at full strength. 
Well, then that leaves Denver at four. And I think the Lakers are actually going to end up sixth or seventh because I think Dallas and Portland may pass. Them. I think the, I think the Lakers are going to fall to seventh. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to have to play the Clippers in the first round. And that's awesome. Lakers, Clippers, first yeah. round. Yeah. That's, that's what awesome. I think is going to happen. Because I see Portland and, and Dallas passing the Lakers up. But I think Dallas is going to do everything they can to hold on to the sixth spot because they're going to want to play whoever the three seed is, which I think is going to be Utah. Mm-hmm. And that's a bad matchup for Utah. It is. And a great matchup for the Lakers. So that's how they're going to want to position themselves to get to draw Utah in the first round. So everybody's going to be trying to get that sixth position. Yeah, if you're in the bottom three. Yeah. Because you, you're going to have to play Utah. And they're and in terms of so the, who's going to be the eighth the eighth the eighth seed then? Whoever win the play in, so it's it's yeah. So I wonder who's going to be the eight because right now the first seven I think are solid: Utah, Phoenix, Clippers, Denver, Lakers, Portland, Dallas. I right. think all those are locks. If I had to put my money on a team, I would say maybe Memphis. Even though you hated them in the last show. I would say maybe Memphis, just because I'm looking at the teams that are left, and I'm thinking that they maybe they got the best shot. Because, I don't because they got you know Valanciunas who's solid, they got Morant who's solid, and they got nice uh, wings. Okay, let me put who it are like athletic this. and who can score, and they play defense. They, I, they limit the amount of possessions in the game. They make it tougher on teams. You got to grind out wins against Memphis. Of the, of the four teams outside, you know, Memphis, San Antonio, Golden State, New Orleans, well, five teams. Memphis, San Antonio, Golden State, New Orleans, and Sacramento. I think the team that got the best at the deadline, obviously, is Sacramento. San Antonio, as they are constructed now, they have a shot. But I don't think Golden State has a shot, even though I've been saying that they do all season. Because Draymond Green can't shoot the three like 38% or better. Mm-hmm. And so if he can't shoot that open three that the defense is constantly giving him at at least that clip, mm-hmm. it's really going to hurt his team. The monumental difference is, you know, when he was playing off of Steph and Clay and he was getting that same jumper, he was hitting it at like 39% the year that they went 73 and nine. Okay. He's not shooting it nowhere close to that percentage now. And that's really, really killing the team. He starts hitting that from 38, 39%. They could, they could be that team. But they're just not. Without Clay and him shooting such a poor percentage, you don't have to play them honestly. Well, and Wiseman isn't giving them enough. No, he's not. And I, they, he, needs, he needed to, and he's not going to. Not this year, he's not. No, he's not. He wasn't ready. No. So, uh, you know, I love Sacramento's roster now. I think they got one of the better rosters in the conference. And I don't know how Wanamaker didn't work out in Golden State. I just don't understand how he didn't work out. I I don't know. I just think it was just, you know, from his perspective and the team's perspective, a bad fit. And, you know, for whatever reason it was, so... So much for that because he was a non-factor. So I, you know, him leaving, I think is inconsequential. It's good for whoever got him. When, Charlotte. Yeah, it's good for whoever got him because he's going to help somebody, but Charlotte. it just wasn't Golden State. Charlotte got him. It was to me, it was an odd fit from the very beginning. He fit Charlotte's team. Yeah, to me, you know, he's more of a half-court player. I don't see him as being a team that wants to, pay, you know, that wants to push the pace at all. I just want Mike know to Mike Michael Jordan know I see what he's doing. He's sneakily. You know, stealing good players from teams who don't see their value properly. Yeah, you know, he's got he, some. He snatched up Gordon Hayward, snatched up Rosier, mm-hmm. snatched up Wanamaker. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been snatching some some. And also, they've done a good job of drafting and developing talent. Yeah, you know, you got to give Michael credit. Undervalued you know? undervalued guys have have, you know, have emerged there, so you got to you got to like Look that. Look at his draft picks. Malik uh Miles Bridges, Malik Monk, LaMelo Ball, um Devontae Graham, PJ Washington. He's drafted very well. Mhm. You know, you can't you can't hate on what Mike's doing. They are making progress. They are trending in the right directions. Yeah, absolutely are, and they got a solid coach. Don't so. let them funk around and dra- and draft a dame 
or somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? Because then it, it's going to be ugly. We'll real talk soon. about this next show, but there is there are some teams like New Orleans that I feel are actually positioning themselves for the draft and not even trying to really make the playoffs this year. But we'll talk about that next show. I'm glad that you said that, Dad, because I got a suspicion about that, too. We are going to talk about that next show. That's, yeah, that's, so... That'll be fantastic. That will that'll be that'll be that'll serve as a tease because we're done for today. Thanks so much, guys, for letting us share this part of your day with you. We're sorry for, like I said, the extended hiatus. Gonna try to be more consistent in the future. Love what we're doing. Love the fact that we got anybody listening. We so appreciate you. So peace and love, everybody. Peace and love, sugar free. Signing out. Smoking my juicy fruit in pursuit of cash And I bring the house of pain like I was ever last Ever since a young nigga labeled me an outcast I'm going balls out, my back's against the wall Big balls, about the size of a tennis ball Big ball, shit I'll show you how to ball out Hit the game like a nuclear fallout If you win the dissing, I'm the one you should call out I'm on a mission, player, I never sold out I took the other route, I went against the grain Me and my nigga, man, we the ones to follow We some girls, niggas, we going full throttle Got a fifth in Hennessy and I'ma drink the whole bottle Pocket full of money, player, feeling like I won the lotto Got a bad bitch, call her America's top model Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man The swing, man, I can get it to the pivot, man Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man I do whatever it takes to get it, man I do whatever it takes 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 to get it, man I told you, nigga, you know my persona I'm a soldier, nigga, deputy for designer Yelling, ain't no peace till the niggas get in peace While I flip my middle finger to your honor Smoking on the finest marijuana I can find Up on the money gang, we throwing up dollar signs We on the grind like each and every day Seven days a week 24-7-365 The last time I checked it was all about the money, power, and respect I'm certified solid, better check my rep You couldn't see through me if you was looking at my silhouette Blood in my eye like the great George Jackson We bout to take it, we ain't asking to say the least I put that on my brother's dead and deceased I'll be a rider till I rest in peace Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes to get it, man.